in the Dishotech River, and I order you to dance. This is Tara Lynn Ruiz with Dance Groove Radio, recording interview one with DJ Heather. We are calling her now. Hello? Hi, is this Heather? Yeah, Hi, Heather. Hi, Heather. This is Tara Lynn with Dance Groove. How are you? Good. I'm just uh, finishing up a run, but I can still chat with you. I'm just, uh, yes. I can imagine that's a little difficult. Okay. You're always multitasking, I imagine. Yes. I totally relate to that. Yes. I think we're all in that era. Yeah, it's... Definitely, I would say with the digital era, that's where things have gone. You're able to do more in less time, right? I know. I don't know if if it's beneficial because something always seems to lose out because of all the coverage yes yeah definitely I agree so so, um yeah you just wanted to chat with me about the upcoming stuff event other things yeah definitely we're excited to do that um we're kind of gonna get into it here in a second I have everything set up and ready to go so let me grab that. And I know the current tour is H is for Hustle, right? Yeah, it's kind of just conjunction with uh, kind of like an offshoot of my streaming programs on Twitch. Gotcha. So I figured it would be nice to have that as a, a umbrella for all the dates that I do on the solo side because there's a lot of people who aren't, who haven't been familiar with me. But by virtue of tuning in, that's kind of like a handle that they can uh, identify me with. Yeah. So I figured I'd come out fresh on that solo set. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's a great idea, actually. It probably probably works well for marketing, too. Yeah, absolutely. It's just helpful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I definitely appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to talk with me. We'll kind of keep it no as short as possible so you can get back no, to it. Okay. Um, so we'll jump in. I have yeah. I have a lot of questions laid out just in case. You never know what we're going to okay. get into. But okay. kind of going back to when you first started, how did you first get into house music specifically? Um, well, it's kind of like... You know, it might come off as a very generic response, but it's really about um, what I experienced at home in terms of, like, DJs and radio stations. It's kind of like it ran parallel to what you listen to. So it's like, yeah, there I sit in the water. So I was just, like, right there with new wave stuff or industrial. It was just part of the lexicon. And the underage club I would go to, Medusa's, um, had a great part in kind of... Um, laying a foundation for what I really enjoyed as a, as a team um, because it had one of the first all ages clubs. Yeah. No alcohol, but you know, just a place dedicated to kids. And between that place and the radio, they kind of like worked hand in hand. So it was like stuff you hear on the radio, you hear at the club, and vice versa. So we created this 
opportunity to kind of mirror what we knew was going on at places that were of age, but we had our own spots, so it was really influential in that regard. So that's my long way around of saying because of radio, because of Medusa's, just because of being a you know a person growing up in a certain era that was kind of. By default, you were knew something about it, and if you became a fan, cool. If you didn't, whatever. But it was kind of like you know part of the the rest of the culture. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny that you say that because it's something I've been recently thinking about how we don't really have yeah. any more all ages clubs or like clubs for teens, if you will, anymore. That's right. just not a thing. And when we were growing up, yeah. that was something we could do. And now it's just things yeah. have become so much more strict. And I feel like that's taken away from mm-hmm. the teenager's experience. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, well, you know, and then you, you fast forward into maybe raise culture that kind of gave an opportunity for kids, you know, to get have 18 and over parties. Yes. It's still not something fundamental the same, fundamentally the same thing, because you can have a kind of a perpetual space, a, a brick and mortar spot that you could guarantee to go to on a Friday and Saturday. Right. That's dedicated to you. So raves were so, you know, um, intermittent throughout all the, or 18 and over events that you're lucky to get into. And then you need to go into illegal parties, of course, and smaller things, whatever, but in terms of like, actual spaces dedicated to a certain age group yeah does not exist in no it's interesting in this era of like hyper to redux of hyper conservatism you definitely feel like there's a, a kind of like an underground well undercurrent of people who really want to go to the other side of the extreme so you feel that parties um you see i mean it's also you can throw it into the, the post-pandemic land as well where people are just over everything and they want a chance to escape and right. so clubs are providing that and that fervor like literally leaving your troubles at the door because it is so shitty out there yes. let's have fun in here for a little bit and we, we just resume whatever's going on do it again world at another time and that's the thing like I think teenagers now experience more stress than perhaps we did when we were younger. Um, And I feel like they need that outlet and that's not something they're getting. So it's, it's a void. Yeah, it's exactly a void. And like, but they're told that they're old enough, just like anywhere we're told we're old enough to do certain things, but not old enough to do certain things. But it's like, well, we're in this in between. What do you mean in this crazy world of isolation and social media, bullying, and like just teenage years unto itself. And then being, you know, it's a lot. It is a lot. I mean, I have, you know, I'm a parent to a pretty much a teenager. He's 10 going on 11, but a lot of the time still eight. But yes. sometimes 25. Right. You know, so, yeah. I, I feel that. I'm a parent of a teenager. He's turning 15 oh next gosh. month. And... You know, life, he's he's a great kid, no doubt. Um, yes, you know, but absolutely. And I've tried to kind of bring him into my world a little bit. It's not mm-hmm. really his go-to music, but he will listen right. to it. So right. it's just not a culture that he finds himself drawn to, which is fine. Mm-hmm. It's just something yeah. I wanted him to try and experience to see if it would be something that he could get into. Totally. But, you know, by virtue of osmosis, it might be something he eventually comes around to. So that kind of happens in a way. You see that stuff just kind of by default laying around. Whether it be like the flyers or you're planning a mix or friends of yours or DJs or DJ, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And then... 
being aware of, of said culture and then all of a sudden it's like oh this stuff it kind of like you know a light bulb goes off because it's like that's that's literally in their dna in their fat cells it's like for my son he's like he used to be into seeing me play and hanging out and coming to the studio with me right now he's like whatever mom you know it's such a not a big deal to him but i think in retrospect he'll get how he knows it's important not really his cup of tea all the time right but yes he understands how important it is yeah yeah i definitely understand that i can imagine it's a little bit different of a scenario for you because that is literally your job well i i personally (laughs) i just promote i blog i do all of these things within the scene right um and i attend all these shows and i don't think my son quite understands you know why is mom doing all all of this like how does this how does this impact my life like you know that kind of stuff but it's very interesting to get that perspective so kind of segueing into the next question um you've been DJing for like well over two decades now at least Um, yeah it's yeah I think it's actually I think it's 30 plus this year, actually. Oh, wow. So it is. Yeah. It is three it's, decades. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's yeah. just all of a sudden it kind of came out. I was like, wait a minute, let me do some math. <laughs> so yeah, from the first time I ever heard music in a club and uh, paid for it, yeah, I would say it's 30 plus at the point. That's amazing, and and that's such a feat for women specifically in this industry. Um, it's it's such a male-dominated industry, as we all know, and that can be difficult to break into. But you actually were successful in doing that, not only on your own, but with Super Jane as well. Um, and I find I find that to be amazing because that's kind of a trailblazing way of getting other women to come into the scene. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, doing stuff quite a few years, like seven, eight years even before Super Jane kind of got off the ground, and it was more of a well, we're you know going to start this collective where you want to be down. I was like, well, I'm not really around, but I'm touring a lot. But yeah, of course, you're my you're my homegirl, so let's do it. And Darlene joined us later, and it was more of like a cool. We put together parties and. Yeah. In retrospect, we discovered how, you know, for a lot of people, it's the first time seeing women DJs or seeing them as a collective or us as a collective. And then you fast forward into now, really, this is the third wave, wave of DJs that you're seeing. So that people yes. who are kind of coming to their mid-20s, 30s. And the wave of DJs, the, just the sheer amount of women, um, non-binary, trans-photographers who wanted to find themselves. Yes. Incredible. But then also out the gate, being DJs and producers, like, like putting stuff out on their own and throwing their events. Like everything, all is kind of like really shrunk in terms of like the, the kind of like touring apparatus that used to exist where people would just kind of like get their feet wet or get their feet wet but also become known because of touring quite a bit couch surfing all the classic kind of like mechanisms of uh, of what bands would do and then your reputation would grow you'd make music you'd know the so those things would run in parallel but now I think it's like online presence and how many followers you have so like the 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 curve from known to unknown is so much faster but it's also so much quicker to for you to fall as well because you have to kind of keep feeding the beast in that way so it's a it's a it's a positive and negative it's different you know the the framework is different i just don't i don't think it's really 
bad or good necessarily, but I sometimes wish that people would have that experience of like, you know, learning different rooms and how, learning how to play long set, short sets, just like all the, the cultural aspects of it. Sometimes I really wish that people could tap into, but I think as people progress in their, their love of music, if, even if they choose it as a career per se, or they um, really gain the appreciation and depth for really enjoying that there's so much that you can do you know that it just has it's multi-tiered multi-layered um thinking about not just now but thinking about beyond two four years like really what you want to do with it like um, you know it's all by virtue of hindsight being in it for so long but i would think that like with all these people doing so many great things i hope that they, um, want to think about like how how truly they can invest in themselves and reinvest, put more stuff back into their social culture. But absolutely, I think there's you know I think, I think there's room for everyone and everything, you know, and it's always it's just still a positive space to be in yeah i agree i think that's amazing work in general like even even as a solo dj and as a collective Mm -hmm. i feel like both of those played a pretty big part in the evolution of this industry alone and especially in house music specifically so and more so more specifically chicago house music which is, right. you know, where it all came from in the first place. So, yes. um, it's very interesting to see the evolution. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm 39 personally, and it, I've yeah. been in this scene since I was a teenager, and I've right. seen how far it's come along. So, to know that we do still have a lot of artists from that era is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, but I also with artists from that era, I hope that people don't also uh, think of them specifically in that era. Like, oh, this right. person, right. you know, it started this time, so they're going to only play music from that time. No. Like, I think that does a disservice to a lot of people, and, you know, there's a lot of people have um, the, their, um, their takes and their uh, perspective is really valuable in the whole, you know, the whole world of dance music. Yeah. Because it, it, I finally feel like it's, it's finally like all the times it was supposed to kind of like become overground and not an underground thing. I think we're finally here after it being like early aughts and so be like, yeah, the breakthrough is coming. You know, rave culture is really kind of like popping off and then you know and then we had a dot com bust in that time yes and then i feel like that kind of took a lot of the uh, the kind of like influence of all the 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 kind of financial injection that all these events were getting for so long and then kind of burst along with the the, uh the wall street era burst yeah um, bubble dropping and then um bursting and then it kind of definitely felt more underground, but now as the branding of bigger events has become more in the forefront, your layperson who isn't really familiar with DJ culture or a particular party because of its, um, because of its brand name or whatever they do. So an EDC or Insomniac or a Boiler Room or anything like that, the branding, uh, defected in particularly, the branding aspect of it is gone beyond the music. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of retroactively people understanding what it is. 
and so DJ culture isn't just people saying, oh, you know, oh, you're a DJ, okay, you, you know, and then they make the wiki wiki sound and oh, put their yeah. hands on their head, you know, and it's like, it goes beyond that because it's the artistry and the, uh, you know, not just clubs it's it's, be, it's translating into music production by popular artists you know dare i say beyonce or Dua Lipa or um, people who like worked with underground artists and are creating this other new influence of you know or exposure to people who'd normally not really be familiar with djs and producers in that in that way so i think it's once again still the world is getting bigger and i think it's beneficial to the genre because if you have more people on board that just creates more opportunity and you know it's like i know it's it's like finding your own special bands and they become famous when you're like oh that's not my band but it's like you can talk about them old stuff or they were dope when they only had like two seven inch singles and now they're huge but i knew they were you know i think you also have to be in the if you're really about that band you should celebrate their success yes you know how long it it takes a long time to get to a certain point yes and you may not necessarily stay in a spot for so long but at least like let them you know reach a reward of the hard work i think that's that's my long way around to saying that it's like been in it long enough you should you know and put in so much equity you should pay off it yeah definitely I agree. And, and, you know, it's funny that you reference that because we're talking about bands, bands that have been around since we were young and people like, you know, we have Aerosmith doing their final tour. We have Blink-182 reuniting. You know, we have these bands that we've always listened to. And I think some people do have that expectation that their music is going to sound the same or be the same or whatever the case is. And it doesn't end up being that way. So they set themselves up for disappointment, ultimately. Right. Yeah, you have to you have to remain open. And that's why I think if you are, I think that's a key to interest and longevity and just excitement about what you're doing, because if you're not inspired by what you're doing or what other people are doing. Uh, if you poo-poo it all the time, it's like, then what are you here for? Like, this is the most, you know, you don't have to, there's, I don't know who set the rule for house music. I don't know if there's like one person that said, this is how you're supposed to do it. And then to find that out, I think there's like, you know, it's like different ways to approach the same thing. If you get, you only have like 12 notes in, in a Western measure of music, right? So it's like, it's a, you're made to kind of recreate them and restructure them to make them your own to create signature sounds like there's there's ways you can do it and if you're if you're not into it then maybe you should step out or and that doesn't matter where you want and uh, lexicon it could be 20 years in or 10 years in if you're such a purist then I think that like really can or whatever or whatever that means to you but sometimes if you have the, if, if you have rules and parameters Yes. Um, I think that's just that does yourself a disservice. It does to 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 your own ear and your own influences and what you're capable of enjoying. I agree. I'm in agreement with that. Um, personally, I'm a pretty open-minded person, and having yeah. having been in this particular scene, there are artists uh-huh. that I still listen to now from back from yeah. when I listened to in the '90s, and their music. Totally. It's so funny because you can actually hear in their sets sometimes those elements from right. when you first started listening yeah. to them, 
And I think that's so important if you want to be able to relate to it, but it doesn't have to be the same. Absolutely. And that's when being able to kind of like reach into that world and bridge the gap, I think is clearly like the most amazing part of it, being able to like have those, by default being part of that certain era, it's like, wow, that was cool. I mean, to be there and, you know, gestation for certain things, certain bands, like that's pretty cool. It doesn't really make me feel old and it really is like, I was really fortunate to, to see that shit as it happened. I don't have to refer to YouTube video or a documentary. I was literally living it and it doesn't matter if you're um, you know, active member of the music scene in terms of like making and playing it, but just being a part of it. It's like, I was, you know, you can literally say I was there or I remember the day that that particular record dropped that was incredibly influential and monumental in your life. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think we could all think of those times where a certain record dropped and we felt that we felt those feelings that you don't get to feel all the time and that's what draws you in Mm -hmm. so kind of talking a little bit about that um Mm -hmm. how do you how have you seen the evolution of house music specifically over the years um I mean, I think we kind of touched on a little bit where it's like time is shrinking. So all those influences are kind of bunching up into each other right now. So we're seeing the 90s chords or like the rave influence kind of like jump up stuff. Or like uh, um, you're like seeing that kind of like rave energy mixed with deep house. Like all that stuff is really kind of like coming to a head. So I, I see all those influences coming together right now, which is really interesting and especially 90s stuff but how it's made people are trying to make it the way it sounded in the 90s and using certain plugins and machines so you have certain flavors of a particular era and you're like wow that could go right alongside this old prescription record this you know this new kid from italy just put out and it sounds like you know you can feel the influences in that one piece of music and it, it goes right side by side with a contemporary you know to contemporary chuck cut so that's kind of interesting to see like how time is really shrinking and then you think about like like when I touched on like the, the third wave of artists mm-hmm. who are really here and in it who've been coming to clubs or were listening to music or just like or just discovered it but like that wave is here playing alongside the people who are part of that first or second wave of house and music dance music so that's cool to see too and the people who are like who are really into it Really, because they love it. If you didn't love it, you would have quit a long time ago. Yeah. So all those people are still making music in some capacity. If they're not touring as much, or some are still touring, or doing other things related to music, music placements, um, uh, scores, um, whatever, you know, doing different different aspects of the industry, but they're still in it and still active in some capacity because this is what they love to do i mean i can speak for myself but hopefully see that interest and enthusiasm um because i'm still here because this is what i really enjoy doing because i've had these arbitrary deadlines for myself many times through all of this i'm gonna stop doing this and i'm blah 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 (laughs) and those deadlines keep keep passing because i feel still feel inspired by what i'm doing yeah. Um, sometimes, just like with any other job, it can be, you know, the job part of it and the, the art can sometimes conflict with each other. 
what I do, but it's also super rare to focus just on the DJing aspect of it. So I'm still in the process of trying to work work more on my own stuff, but it's incredibly slow going, but I'm doing my best. But it's mostly right now I'm just working with machine a lot because the interface I'm really starting to get and super clean and I don't have to have a lot in my home. I have a, I have a pretty big studio space, but not a lot of space that I can dedicate to gear. Uh, so that's what I'm working with right okay. now. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand yeah. that. I know that um, you're mostly known for like very deep, soulful tracks and very mm-hmm. seamless mixing, I might add, in your DJ mm-hmm. sets. How do you mm. approach the track selection and the mixing when you're putting those together? Um, well, every, you know, it's like time and place when it comes to mixing because you, when you're approaching live sets, it's kind of like you're not really not really having anything pre-set necessarily. You just mm-hmm. kind of have like an idea of what tools you want to have yes. at the ready. So that's kind of what I do in terms of preparation for preparations for, for playing events. So like for you guys, I'm like, oh, there's stuff I, you know, I'll come down and know what time I'm playing, who I'll be playing, with, what kind of event it is, what kind of space it may be. So I might have an idea of me, what works, what may work, but then also just being able to the tools I need at the ready like oh this might work here or you know being able to experiment and that's kind of like my big thing I like to do like take chances take some risks and some things don't work so I'm hopefully able to recover from it and like figure stuff out because every every set is going to be different whether it's going to be festivals or smaller events um, outdoor indoor uh, time of night who you're in if you're headlining or um, complimenting uh, a whole evening, so you kind of like want to be aware of where you're going to be, because I, I feel like it's super collaborative. I feel that way about how I play. I want to be part of it, you know. You know, everything again, everything is kind of in place. Well, if it's like peak time stuff, headline blinds, you should be able to do that. Close it late night, you should be able to do that too. Like, yes. I just like doing different things. I think. So as it pertains to that, that's kind of how I prepare. Um, with the, the seamless mixing, it, it also depends because sometimes mixes, um, you could appreciate that love. But a mix this can be like where sometimes you're going to mix for 16 bars but the records really go well to each other with each other and they'll talk, you know, certain samples legally overlay and talk to each other. Yep. So you have this nice um, call and response. And then other times, you really want to make it choppy and like maybe have like a mix of four bars because you don't really need anything else. You just need that intro and you want to start stuff off. You want to be more aggressive um, in a particular time or what people are feeling that energy so you keep in it for everyone's uh, attention span is shorter for whatever reason. Or they really want things to they really want things to be presented more quickly so you adjust for that. So yeah, so every everything there's no guarantee there's so many x factors when you're playing for a live audience but as it pertains to the streams that i do or a mix there's kind of you get a little bit more but at the same time a luxury you get a lot more because it's more forgiving you're in this environment where you can kind of just do what you want you're controlling it there's no there's no uh, pressure to quote unquote people before and then with um a mix you know, dare I say, you're trying to tell a story. Yes. That's a very generic yes. term. 
but you're trying to tell a story and present a thought in 60 or 90 minutes. And then you want to be able to tell that story completely. If, but again, that's the type of mix. If it's right. Mixing for, if you're mixing, presenting a mix for a mixed show, or if it's just like a mix that you played live and you really like the portion of it, that may not be guilty share as well. So it's really time and place. Once again, my long-winded way of saying one thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really appreciate the long-windedness of your responses because it gives more context and details, and I think that's something that people might be looking for. I mean, I know I personally love that kind of thing, um, and sometimes we don't get enough of that information and we want to know more, <laughs> so it's, it's actually, oh, it works out. So, you spoke a little bit about, of course, different events, clubs, venues, etc., um, and I know you've played at many a club or festival around the world. Do you happen to have a favorite venue or event that you've played? I don't know about favorite venues, maybe favorite cities, because what energy they offer, but I mean... I don't know. Um, That's valid. Venue, yeah. I mean, venue, I would have to say Fabric is probably one of my favorite places in Smart Park. Okay. Because um, it's, you know, they're very comfy, really particular attention to detail of sound. Um, and then when you think of different spaces, places like always great to play in LA, Hoover, uh, Tokyo is always super fun. Um, Paris has always been good at um, yeah so and Rex Rex Club actually is another place up in Paris it's like great for sound and then there's um uh there's one spot in Oslo that I can't remember if it's I'll think of it in just a second but it's one greater space it's super tiny but great sound too um yeah I don't know I've been really fortunate to play a lot of like the festival in Chicago just it's, it's third year this year it's probably one of the best festivals contemporary festivals in, in the nation I think yeah it's one um, that I'm looking forward to attending at some point in time um yeah I, it's really incredible that's awesome I've, I've got friends that go um, and they've been going of course since mm -hmm. the first one and it's sure it's only been three years but you know it's, yeah. it's something that it's, it looks interesting from all the photos and videos I've seen, and it yeah. actually looks like it has a really nice vibe when you go. So that is something I want to yeah. do. Yeah, it's like, it's very, very much, it's, I felt like when I went, I felt very much like I wasn't in Chicago. And I was like, I'm not home right now, but I am home. But it's weird, but because the attention, the stages are great, curation. Each That's so important, really and it's so underrated sometimes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and it, it just felt like, you know, super comfortable. You could get to everything. It was a really great stretch. Also, another favorite is the Street Fest here at West Fest. It's free. It's literally a street fest. You pay, or it's not free. It's like five bucks. But you hear all these amazing DJs and bands, and it's literally outside, and it's like very, just super fun. So it's probably another favorite. You guys are lucky to be kind of in the Midwest <laughs> because, you know, I'm in North Carolina and we're a coastal state. So during this time of year, hurricanes mm -hmm. and tropical storms tend to derail some of our yes. outdoor events. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. 
But you all, like, you have kind of a few festivals, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. No. We do. Yeah. We do. We have a few. Um, we have several smaller ones, and we have, of course, Breakaway, which is put on by Prime Social. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we have Wub and Dub, which is kind of a smaller homegrown festival. We have Ignite Burn. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Hopscotch. We have um, mm-hmm. Slingshot. You know, we have a few festivals here. And um, I've been to Breakaway. That was a really mm-hmm. good time. Um, you know, things like that. I like the the feel of the festivals in my home state um, because yeah. that's going to be a more intimate vibe. I tend to know more right. people, you know, mm-hmm. so it, it does help create a positive experience. Nice. Yep. Um, okay. What's next for you? Um, any upcoming projects or releases that you're pretty excited about? Yeah, there's like some stuff coming up for fall, like three or four different actual records, which I'm excited about collaborating stuff, so just kind of looking for those, and some other, uh, a mixed project for a compilation, uh, record label compilation, but all the stuff I really, I only like talking about when it's official and done. Yeah, understandable. No worries, we won't press you, but we will be looking forward to that, absolutely. Um, and the last question really is, do you have any advice that you'd like to give to anyone who's aspiring to be a DJ or producer? Um, yeah, you know, just, it's really basic. Just have fun. You don't know what it's really all about and really enjoy what you're doing because people really respond to that honesty of, like, they can tell. Yes. So just do it for, do it for you if you really love it awesome people you know and you'll love it too and it uh, that was i would just say that pot that energy feeds it feeds itself yes so like the more good you put into it the more good stuff you hopefully get back from it and just be patient and enjoy have fun patience is a virtue as they say yeah exactly we'll be all good that's amazing i couldn't agree more I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that, Heather. Um, It's been really great to talk to you um, and get kind of get to know you a little more, both as a person and an artist. Oh, definitely. Nice to meet you. And I'll see you. I'll see you soon. Yes, very soon. Um, Are you familiar with the venue that you'll be playing at? This particular one, no. So, well, um, it is a warehouse. That might give you some idea of what you'll be working with in case you need it. Wait, one more time. I'm sorry, my phone broke up. Oh, it's a it's a warehouse venue. Um, so oh, cool. that might give you some idea of what you'll be working with, um, space wise, nice. just in case you need it. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Well, I appreciate it, Heather. Awesome. I hope you have a great afternoon. It was great to talk with Thank you. Thank you. Same. I appreciate it. Have I a great care. day. You too. You Bye. too. Bye.